0: Hey, you ready? He grabbed that right there.
1: <laughs> Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready. Oh. Whole squad ready. ready. Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? ready? Is you ready? Whole squad hey. ready. We came here to see Jeff. What you got? Oh. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 37 of Empty Bettors. I'm your host Harrison Schulz, and I'm going to toss it over here to my co-host across the screen. Unfortunately, yet again, Nick Manella. What's
2: going on, buddy? I'm. It, this is exciting. We're kind of like back to this once a week system that you know we got used to, and I feel like every time we had to do it like two or lately more than two weeks apart, uh, it felt like months that we were going without doing these episodes. So. Uh, you know, it's kind of like we are going from zero to everything now, so I'm excited to have a lot to talk about, and I think this is the big one. This is the one that, you know, most of our, you know, friends and other listeners are going to want to pay attention to, because we kind of really care about the East a lot more, no offense to the West, but, um, this is where our teams are, so I'm fired up for this one. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It feels good, and we're actually, uh, this is our second episode dropping this week, so that's pretty cool, first time for us and also going to introduce across-the-screen producer Mac Vogel. What's going on, guys? Uh Echo I'm
0: definitely super pumped for this episode. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Plus, uh, not only just um, obviously because we tend to know a little bit more about the Eastern Conference, but um, we obviously have some uh, pre-qualifier games to go off of that have been going on um, today, yesterday, and the day before. So... Um, that's definitely given us a bit more to think about for this episode
1: too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, as you guys can probably tell by the title of today's episode, um, we're doing the Eastern conference qualifiers, giving you all the breakdowns and picks that we got with the upcoming series. Uh, we gave you guys the Western last time. So this time we're gonna have the Eastern dropping it the day before the playoffs start to try and get the most up-to-date data for you guys. Um, but before we get into that, Nick is going to go over some, uh, news around the league with you guys. So I'll toss it off to Nick now.
2: Yeah. So news time, not as much as we had last episode. I think last episode, we were just trying to get back up to speed and cover all the tidbits that we could remember across four months, but only a couple things this week. Uh, one of the bigger ones I thought that circulated yesterday or the day before was that the Chicago Blackhawks announced that they are prohibiting fans from wearing headdresses at any home games or team-sanctioned shank- events.
1: Yeah, no real opinion on that, but I think we all kind of saw that something like that was going to be coming.
2: I think in just you know the wake of, uh, I guess, the now Washington Football Club changing their name, uh, we were probably expecting this one to come Uh, as well. Moving on, uh, the Arizona Coyotes. I think this was kind of out of left field. Their GM and president of hockey operations, John Chica, uh, just kind of randomly resigned out of nowhere. Uh, Right before your team's going into the playoffs is a really weird time for a GM to sort of just go, yeah, I'm out. Um, Chica released a statement saying, quote, I love our players, coaches, staff, and fans, and I very much wish I could be with the team in Edmonton. Sadly, the situation created by ownership makes that an impossibility. That's all I intend to say on this matter for now. And then the Yotes subsequently released a statement saying, the club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where their team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Chayka has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, And the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL, which is, I I just think we can all agree that's not true (laughs) (laughs) on ticket sales alone. I mean, that's just not true. But yeah, come on. Like every, obviously
0: every owner has to like say that or whatever, but like, who are you kidding saying that you have the great, come on Arizona. (laughs) But yeah, not a good look for, for the Yotes for sure to just, you know, have that leadership just like, see ya.
1: I don't really know like what went down does anybody has anybody read anything or seen any rumors of like what happened?
2: I don't think they said anything, and this is just weird because I feel like they were kind of trending in the right- di- like direction like he made some big moves, yeah, obviously with the castle acquisition and the hall trade that I've thought people were kind of big fans of I mean, and you've got younger guys like Connor Garland who sort of came up through their system and you know are looking good but um It'll be interesting to see uh, how that affects them going into the offseason. God knows when that's going to be. Uh, moving forward, uh, Mike Babcock. I thought this one was kind of weird. He is joining the University of Vermont hockey staff as a volunteer advisor to the coaching staff. So imagine like playing college hockey. Like I know you're playing D1 college hockey, and then like you go to play against Vermont, and you look over, and fucking Mike Babcock is on the bench.
1: Yeah, this is a strange move. Um, I saw a lot of rumors that he was going to be the new head coach for Seattle. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's anything confirmed as of this moment, but there was a lot of rumors swirling about that. Um, Strange move, nonetheless. I don't really understand. First off, the word volunteer kind of struck me as odd because that means he's working for free, which knowing Babcock's personality doesn't really (laughs) <laughs> after signing a $52 million deal with the Leafs, it's kind of hard to believe that he's going to go volunteer, right? So. If I had to
0: guess, my take on this is, like, it was not a clean departure, as we all know, uh, with Babcock, you know, leaving uh, the NHL. And I think he was going to be hard-pressed to get another job in the NHL after all the um, stuff kind of came out about players that had been coached by him coming out and saying, like, different things that they really didn't like about his coaching style. I remember the one thing that stood out to me was, um, uh, some of the younger leaf players talking about, um, how he would put them in real, real awkward positions, um, basically forcing them to like, uh, say who the, uh, like what player on the team works the least hard and then like telling everyone like what they said and stuff like that. And so, um, to me, that's not a guy that you want involved with your club. And so I think maybe maybe Vermont is just like, you know, we'll take him. He's an NHL
2: expert. Hopefully he's changed his ways or something. I don't know. We'll see how that pans out. Do you think this is just like a giant PR stunt for him where he's trying to sort of like boost his image? Like, look, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to this, this team who, let's be real, I'm kind of overqualified to be coaching them. Uh, You know, I don't want to kick anyone out of a job uh, because I'm sure if I offered my services, they'd—oh, nice, nice hat. Um, They would boot whoever's in there and saying, you know, I'll volunteer and help out. I don't know if that's just him, you know. It's not like he needs to work. The guy could, you know, retire happy, but— I'm sure he wants to. I you know, I don't know if this is just a PR stunt or if this is something he really wants to do. I know he is closely linked with someone that's at that organization. I don't know the nature of uh their relationship, but uh that could be interesting to see. I just think it'll be funny, uh to you know see him on the bench in a in a college atmosphere. Yeah. I, I, I,
1: I do think it's a PR stunt, but yeah.
2: I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm sure he's got I don't you know, blame him. Yeah. I know. Yeah, imagine running the PR team for that guy after, you know, uh like, like Mac you nailed it. Like that shitstorm with the Leafs came out. I mean, that's not that's not good. So, uh who knows? I mean, I don't I don't think it's inconceivable to say that we won't see him in the league like in the NHL again. I think f- for sure someone might take a chance on him at a later date, but who knows? Um moving on, the NHL Excuse me. The NHL kicked off this past week with exhibition games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and right now tonight, Thursday. Uh, the majority of these games were rivalry games. I don't think that's a secret to anyone. Uh, you know, there's a couple weird ones. Like I, you know, on the TV right now, I'm looking at Boston and Columbus. It's like you know, okay, not necessarily a rivalry game, but we had. Pittsburgh and Philly, Washington and Carolina, we had the Battle of Alberto, we had Toronto and Montreal, like we had Chicago and St. Louis, we had Tampa and Florida, so it's no secret that they were trying to create sort of like a competitive, almost playoff-style environment. Uh, what did you guys think about that?
1: My only opinions are that, the it, one, it's extremely weird seeing no fans in the stands. It's like they got those like billboard-looking things in the background, which are kind of tripping me up. Um, the second thing that I noticed, and maybe this was just more so in the Pitt-Philly game, um, because after watching some of the other games in bits and pieces, it didn't look as extreme. But holy shit, today they both looked bad in the first period? I mean, it, it looked like we were watching men's league. I'm not kidding. It was slow. It was sloppy. It was choppy. It was nothing pretty. Um, and that's to be expected. I guess I'm not really you know surprised or anything it's just it, it looks so much slower on tv and the third thing is Connor mcdavid is absolutely disgusting that no look goal was probably i'm not kidding there was nothing sexy about it other than when you get that angle that i think they posted on nhl discussion and he just has his head tilted the other way and he snipes it five hole and then he looks at the net afterwards He's like oh yeah i just scored uh, who does that? like that's mahomes type shit in hockey like th- that's what we're kind of witnessing it's absurd
0: it made, it immediately
1: made me think of the uh,
0: John Carlson world junior goal for team USA actually yep. um like several years back where he's coming down the wing and does a similar thing where he's just yeah. totally looking off and not even looking at the net but yeah it's definitely takes some talent to know know where you're shooting
1: it not looking at it and the fact that it was ridiculous. five holes yeah that fi- the fact it was five hole and low and it was just it was just so silky i'm like how the fuck do you do that after 3 months off and doing that in the first exhibition game, is just like, oh, of course. Like, what else is new? Um, also, it, his overtime yeah. goal. his overtime goal against the Pens was pretty damn sick, too.
2: Yeah.
1: I'll give that to him. Was it connecting? I can't remember. I
2: thought it was Lawton. I could be wrong. Lawton. No, you're right. It was a lefty. Yep.
1: Yeah, it was Lawton. It was nasty. It looked it really looks, good.
2: I, I thought you were spot on with what you said about, like, it being sloppy. I mean, that's what four months of not having game speed to get your timing down looks like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I watched that uh, Penn's flyers game and I've watched a decent amount of the ones since. And uh, you know, you're seeing, you know, passes behind you know, passes behind guys, passes in front of guys, passes just bouncing off of guys shins or off their tape. And you know, guys missing one timers. I know Ovi missed a couple before he drilled one home. So uh, that's what, the purpose of these games was for in my opinion was to help them get their timing back uh at sort of game speed i know they weren't you know going full throttle no one wants to get hurt not you know especially right before these qualifying matchups start so uh i thought they were okay overall um but i think everyone's kind of looking at their team going you know saying the exact same thing you said harrison where it's like okay shit first period we look damn rusty so yeah
0: I think the uh, definitely what you're saying is um, is correct about hopefully you know this is I mean it is only one game but hopefully it's at least some somewhat of a chance for them to shake off some of the dust and the cobwebs but I do think one thing that will not go away um, throughout this tournament is um, the bad ice situation and um, that's just something that's going to come from. Playing, uh, first of all, I've heard a lot of people saying that in in Toronto specifically, that rink is uh, relatively humid. Um, uh, But even without that, you know, you're having three, four games on the same rink, one right after another. Obviously, you're zamming in between, but still, the the ice is going to take a bit of a beating throughout the day. And by the last game, it's not going to be in the same shape that it was um for the first game of the day so that's going to be something to look out for too
1: yeah absolutely when i said choppy i think that's really what i was alluding to is it looked like the puck was just on edge a lot there was weird bounces going on so uh yeah i mean we're not used to seeing hockey at this time of year so i think that's spot on
2: yeah definitely Uh, Well, that's all the news that I think we have. There's not, like we said, there's not really a whole lot going on, so we can really get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, which, of course, is the Eastern Conference Qualifiers Preview, and we are going to start with, I guess if you were going to compare this to a series from our Western Conference Qualifiers Preview, this would sort of be similar in what you're expecting from Edmonton and Chicago, where you're taking not, you know, a you know, an aging team versus a young team, but you're taking a team in the Pittsburgh Penguins going up against the Montreal Canadiens. And with the Canadians, you're sort of saying like you do with the Blackhawks, like, do you, do you really want to be here? Like, do you want to <laughs> win? Um, you know, and how did you get here? So uh, we have the number five seeded Pittsburgh Penguins at a minus 240 versus the Montreal Canadiens, who are the 12th seed at a plus 200 Uh, to start with offense, uh, plain and simple Montreal just cannot keep up with the penguins firepower. Uh, you know, I had to swallow throw up in my mouth while I'm saying this, but (laughs) speak it to me, Nick, they have like, they have talented guys like Thomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher, but they just don't stack up. Uh, the pause really, really helped the penguins out. I'm sure no one is surprised by that. You know, lo and behold, here we go again. Um, allowing Jake Gensel to recover from shoulder surgery. I don't think any of us need to go into depth in how vital he is to that team. Uh, so him back on that top line with Crosby and Sherry uh, is huge. That's a very dangerous top line. And it's something that I just don't think Montreal is going to be able to handle. Montreal, you know, Max Domi mixed half the camp. Uh, and basically, I think he was going to be the Habs answer for Malkin who's their second, like, you know, the Penn second-line center, which is just ridiculous. Uh, and then ultimately, for the forwards, in terms of experience, the Penguins' playoff experience speaks for itself. Uh, what The Habs just can't compete with it. Marlowe and Patrick Hornquist, just the two, those two players combined, have 252 career playoff games between them, which is just absurd. Uh, special teams-wise... Both of these teams kind of struggle with the man advantage. Overall, the Pens are 16th in the league and the Canadians are 22nd. Uh, But with Pittsburgh being, you know, completely healthy now, for the most part, you've got to give the advantage to them. On the back end, Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie are solid. Uh, Ben Sherrott and Victor Mete, they're okay. They're decent. Mete's still young, but Sherrott's proven that he can sort of be exactly what you would want him to be and really not much more. Um, But, like, you know, similar to their forward problem. They just don't have the depth to stack up with this Penguins team. Uh, That being said, I think Pittsburgh does have some question marks around their third pairing. Jack Johnson can be pretty damn inconsistent. Harrison, I'm sure you can attest to that. I think it's just the college he went to because I've heard they suck. (laughs) But um, (laughs) uh, their top four are solid. Chris Letang, Brian Dumoulin, that mouth-breathing, you know, slack-jump yokel, and Marcus Pedersen. And then... (laughs) John John Marino has been fantastic this year. Uh, These teams aren't really good at clogging up lanes on the blue line. They rank 20th and 21st in block shots per 60 minutes. I think that's pretty interesting Uh, because as we move on to goaltending, I think this is where the series is going to be made or broken. So with the Penguins having an advantage in offense and defense, I think it's hard not to give Montreal... The advantage in net, and that's simply just because of Carey Price. So I think it's sort of widely, you know, known throughout the league that Carey Price, you know, depending on where you stand, is basically the best goalie in the NHL or the second best goalie in the NHL. So, uh, you know, I think with a shortened series, you know, if this was a best of seven, I don't think that he could steal a series for his team. I think now that it's a best of five that really increases the probability of that happening. Uh, You know, not to knock Matt Murray and Tristan Jari at all. Murray can be shaky at times. Uh, We've seen that in the past. Uh, So, but your backup in Jari is not bad at all. I mean, he had the ninth best save percentage in the league this year with a nine 2 one. So it's nothing to laugh at. So it's just a question of, you know, who do you stick with? Do you go with uh, Murray? And if he falters, do you stick with him or do you go with Jari? Uh, What are your guys thoughts on this series? Well, both uh, both Murray and Jari are going to be RFAs um,
0: the following season, which is kind of interesting. But um, one thing I really noticed watching the um, Canadians Leafs game on Tuesday was um, exactly what we're saying. I mean, Price looked really good as usual, but I can't. I mean, they lost that game. The Habs lost four two to the Leafs. And I want to say on like all four of those goals, at least three of them price made like the first and second stops. And then it was like the third rebound that went in because his, his defense just couldn't do shit in front of the net. Like, you know, I'm looking at Shea Weber, like, what are you doing, buddy? Come on. You're a big rig. You gotta, you gotta clean up, clean up the crease a little bit. I felt bad for price watching that game. He was making some great saves, but he had no help. And, um, I think if that's any representation of what they're going to play like um, against Pittsburgh, there's no way that um, Price can do it alone.
1: Is everyone ready for my opinion, or should we just yep, set that part? Yeah, let's
2: get
0: this
1: over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, all right, so, look, the Canadians kind of scare me a, a little bit exactly for the reasons you guys just said. Price is, in my opinion a top three goalie in the league. I'm not really sure where I would put him exactly. Um, but he's a top three goalie in the league. And like Nick said, when you have a hot goalie, as we all know, when you go into the playoffs, that it makes all the difference. It also, all, it basically makes you unbeatable if your goalie is on fire, right? So if he catches fire, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Um, but if I, I, the thing that's kind of keeping me at ease is, like, does Montreal really, like, do they actually want to win? Like, do you want to win? because you can have the hometown boy as your number one pick and you have the best odds out of anybody else I mean right it it, it just it almost doesn't make sense for them to win. I would literally tank it on purpose, which I, conspiracy theory here, but maybe they actually do like I, I don't know like why wouldn't you um but yeah, the offense on the pens is just. Absolutely outpowers them. I think our defense is also a lot better. I mean, granted, they do have Shea Weber. Jeff Petrie's okay, but whatever. I don't really give a fuck about him. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Penn's in four. I think our power play is going to be too much. I think we're going to draw a lot of penalties. Gensel being back is huge. I worry about the goaltending. I know I've been very critical of Matt Murray in the past. I would imagine he gets the start, but it's going to be a really short leash. Um so we'll see how it goes but I got pens and four I think the star power is just too much I won't bore all of you with my big long speech I'll save that for when we play the capitals eventually <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you this though quick Harrison uh you say that obviously the Canadians like almost should want to lose cuz they they should want Laffy, but um, you know i've actually heard a lot of penguins fans talking about how they want Laffy and how maybe they should lose because you know the the organization is starting to crumble a little bit and uh yeah't right.
1: maybe aging's the better word, but did you see the shit eating grin on my face though? Yeah, I would love that um <laughs> but i don't think I could live i I really don't. I mean, I really don't think my mental health would be good if we lost this series. Let's put it that way. I, I, I do worry about myself a little bit. Or just also, by the way, minus two forty. I mean, Jesus, if you're you're dumb if you don't throw a tiny little bit on the plus two hundred for the Habs, specifically for the reasons that Nick and Mac just listed before I did. Is they have the better goalie. Like, there's no arguing that. And as we saw last year. Binnington came out of nowhere. You get a guy, you get a hot goalie. You can take it far. So um, the fact that the Pens are the biggest favorites out of any of the qualifier series doesn't really surprise me. But the fact that it's this high after a four month layoff, it's a little too heavy in my opinion.
2: That's the uh, the Sidney Crosby effect. Uh, yes. Yeah. Pretty much.
1: That's do, exactly
2: no, going back to your point about Murray and you know, you're. I th- I feel like you know if the Caps were going into this scenario i would have the same fears that you do about Kerry price but i don't even think murray and jari whoever's starting you know whoever ends up being the number one i don't think they have to be that good i just think they have to be not bad for the right. penguins in this series because i don't think montreal has the offensive firepower and um you know now that you know i know that the pens have struggled on the man advantage but the canadians have a terrible penalty kill they're 19th best in the league and now that they have Gensel back i think any time that Uh, y'all have a power play. It it shouldn't be a problem.
1: No, I I, I agree with you. I mean, they—you're right. Neither of them are that bad. But you know, if you could find a high school kid that can shoot glove side, you're going to score Matt Murray. So that's really (laughs) the—that's really the essence of what we're facing. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) so I got pens and four. What about you guys?
2: I have the same thing. Same here.
1: (laughs) All right, pens and four. We all agree. We can move on from that.
2: Um, okay, moving on next series up, we have the this is just another series of like teams that I hate uh playing each other. You know, stop me if you know which one it is, but it's the Carolina Hurricanes at number six, a minus one thirty five versus the New York Rangers, uh, the eleventh seed at a plus one fifteen. And I think you're an idiot if you don't but take the Rangers at a plus one fifteen, and let me tell you why. So Carolina's top trio is nothing to laugh at. In fact, I think it's one of the most terrifying first lines in the NHL. I would put it in the top five, maybe even the top three, in Taravine and Aho and Svechnikov. Those guys are young, they don't get tired, they control the puck, and they rarely turn it over. Uh, during their season series against the Rangers, they accounted for seven points, and Aho scored three times. Uh, that's just that one line. Um Equally as terrifying to counter that is that the Rangers best player in Artemi Panarin uh, Hart Trophy finalist is on their second line. He's not even on their top line. Uh, (laughs) So that's, you know, just put that into your head. Uh, the Rangers, you know, they counter that uh, triple threat of Teravine and Aho and Sveshnikov with Zabanajad, Kreider, and Buchnevich. That's nothing to laugh at as well. Those three have gelled really, really well together. Zabanajad had his best season by a mile and a half and just shoving it up the Sens' hoop forever trading him away. Uh, you know, he's basically broken out into a superstar center this season. Kreider is such a textbook playoff guy. He gets gritty, he gets chippy, and he still has that speed come playoff time. He's just built for it. Uh, he's got 23 goals in 77 playoff games. The numbers speak for themselves. Uh, after we sort of get through lines one and two, this is where both of these teams really sort of drop off in forward depth. Not to say they don't have talented players, but compared to the rest of the you know power teams in the league and you know some of the other teams in these qualifying matchups, they don't really stack up. Uh, They lack depth at center Uh, Carolina did bring in Vincent Trocek and for that reason I give them the slight advantage in bottom six Uh, The Rangers did finish the year with the seventh best power play in the league at 22.9% and Carolina was also right there with the eighth best at 22.3% So both of these power plays can really light it up Uh, moving on to defense Carolina advantage, Carolina. This is a no brainer. Uh, they arguably have the deepest decor, uh, in the league. And that's with two guys that are technically still hurt and not expected to play right away. Uh, Dougie Hamilton, we talked about this, Harrison, you said he was having a Norris caliber season before he got hurt. And I completely agree with you. Uh, Brett Pesce is still a question and he's just like a shot blocking machine. Uh, so even without those two, their defense would be Slavin, Votnin, Shea, Edmondson, Gardner, and Van Riemsdyk. That is nothing to laugh at. Those are three solid pairs that you could just roll all game long. Uh, there's a couple guys in there that can really move the puck, and there's also a couple guys in there that can really shut people down. Uh, NHL discussion, as you guys have pointed out, ranks this as the number one decor in the league, as does daily Faceoff. Uh, By contrast, the Rangers' blue line allowed 34 shots per game. That is the second most in the league this season. They do have impressive young young talent. Adam Fox, Tony D'Angelo, Jacob Truba. Those guys are awesome. But as is common during a rebuild, they really don't have their number one go-to, like, shut-down defenseman sort of, like, picked out yet. Uh, This, you know... This decor can score. They can jump up and they can create offense, which is great. But they have been a question mark all season long. I think they've shown flashes of greatness, and then they've you know shown flashes of you know where they look like fucking swiss cheese. They got you know <laughs> just holes everywhere. So it'll be interesting to see how they stack up against the Carolina forwards, and you know how they compare to the Carolina defense as well. Uh, as we move on to goaltending, any advantage that the Rangers lost. In defense, they gain right back in net. Uh, they have this, you know, locked up down pat game over in goaltending. Igor Shosturkin just shown the season. His even strike save percentage was a point nine three That is phenomenal. And he's likely to be the starter. And, you know, if he looks uncomfortable or, you know, has a bad day or doesn't, you know, fucking feel like playing, oh, here comes Henrik you know, Lundqvist to Back you up, so you know we all remember this guy. I think he's tortured our franchises, you know, a lot Pick for oh, yourself. Ah, uh, yes. yeah, oh. uh, couple a uh, couple bad memories there for me, but uh, you know, just <laughs> in 22 career playoff games facing elimination is 15 and seven with two shutouts, a 9.41 and a 1-8-6 GAA. So yeah, gaminella that those numbers are just ridiculous. And is if, you know, those two weren't enough. Alex Gorgiev is a great backup. So they are set. They are ready to go in net. Uh, and if I was Carolina, I would be pretty worried because you go to counter that with Peter Morazic and James Reimer and not to take anything away from those guys, but it really doesn't stack up in my opinion. Uh, so what are your guys thoughts on this series?
1: Great breakdown. Awesome breakdown.
2: Thank you. Um, So,
1: here's my thought. Hamilton and Pesci being hurt really, really, really sways my decision on this series. I think that if they were both going to play, which, by the way, it sounds like neither of them will be, um, if they were going to play, I would choose Carolina to win this series. I think they have that good of a decor. Um, One of our favorite Instagram pages... For hockey is a NHL discussion And they ranked Carolina as the number One defensive core in the league so They're not fucking around I mean they're There's legitimate um, That being said I do think That now with the Rangers Having these young and up and comers Tony D'Angelo is a wild Card right I mean he's shown Flashes where he can completely take over Games offensively he had a great season He kind of almost came out of nowhere um, Adam Fox you know obviously A big prospect name who has kind of lived up to the hype so far. He looked really good. And going back to what you said about maybe not having that number one shutdown guy, I think Truba is by default the one they would have to pick. I think he's close to that kind of caliber that you're speaking of. Like, I think he
2: needs another two years. but Something like
1: that. Like that John Carlson kind of do-it-all thing. I'm not going to compare him to Carlson. Obviously, he's way better. But I think that he is on the trajectory to potentially become that. So... This series will be big for him, but given that there are these injuries to the, you know, Carolina's back end, that was really where they kind of had the Rangers number, and now they don't have that, so as a result, I am going to lean more towards the Rangers, and it is awesome from a gambler's perspective that they are the underdogs upon one, plus 115, so for that reason, I am going to go Rangers in four.
0: A couple things I want to add. I would like to say that, first of all, let's talk about Dougie Hamilton for a second. I know he's probably not going to play, but I have a couple things that I think need to be said about this man. I don't want to take away from the season that he just had because it's, you know, I'd be an idiot to say that he didn't just have an insane season with the Hurricanes, but. I, every time I think about Dougie Hamilton, I can't not think about the Caps playing the Canes in the playoffs last year. And obviously, I know we lost, but like there were two plays specifically that, that Hamilton made as a defender that just is like it's like a, a peewee in his first contact game, like shying away from a hit. And one of them caused a goal immediately, like immediately um you know shine away from a big hit from ov which i get it it's ov but hey guess what you're in the nhl you're gonna get hit it got you to the
2: point not where... play defense either <laughs> like
0: exactly right it got to the point where where ov skated by the bench and made like a bok bok chicken gesture at at hamilton because he was like bro you're scared to get hit like that's how obvious this shit was um, I think he's a great goal-scoring defender, but I think his actual defensive skills are lacking. Um, flipping over to the Rangers real quick, I think Truba was arguably the best player on the ice for the Rangers against the Islanders um, in that uh, exhibition game, um, especially in the first period. He looked great in front of the net, clearing out bodies. Capo um, Paco looks more confident than I've ever seen. He's actually shooting. He's actually got confidence to pull the trigger. He's got some swagger out there. Um, he he looked impressive to me. Um, that all being said, it's a tough one. This one is probably the series out of the East and the West that I teetered back and forth on with my prediction the most. I think I'm going to have to go Canes and five. Ooh! Wow. I like uh, that
2: couple last things to add uh i think it's in my opinion there were two teams that were blazing red hot right before this pause hit and i think the rangers are one of them and they won like 11 out of 15 leading up to the pause um i don't know both of these teams are great on the road so you know playing these road games shouldn't really affect them all that much i gotta go rangers in five i just think that the um uh, I think that the uh, the goaltending is going to be the tipping point here. And I think they're pretty close to evenly matched up front. I give Carolina the edge in defense, obviously. But I think uh, if Igor plays the way that we all think he can, I think the Rangers are going to get this one done. And I think it's going to be some pretty sweet bang for my buck.
0: Would you um, guys both start Igor if you're the Rangers? Yes. I would. Yes. See, I, I would start the king, honestly, because I feel like similar to what we said about Minnesota, which I know everybody was real bent out of shape about, but um, I think
1: don't get me started.
0: one of those situations where uh, you know you look to your veteran guys and, and who better to, to lead you than King Henrik, uh, who wants a cup more than him right now. So I don't know. I would start him and keep him on a short leash, but I would expect to see Igor. start.
1: Look, this is this series really is a coin toss, um, and I would pick Carolina, honestly, if Pesci—not even if Pesci and Hamilton were playing, if just one of them was. I I read the reports today, and it didn't—obviously, it didn't confirm anything, but it doesn't sound like either of them are, especially Dougie. So, for that reason, uh, I have to go Rangers. I mean, I feel like they're just a better team on the front end and in goal, so— you know Carolina had them defensively but now i don't i think it's a little more even so i i'm going rangers and four like i said
2: you know what i'm going to call this series this is the <laughs> oh fuck we have to play them series because them. <laughs> whatever team wins whoever ends up playing these guys is like fuck like really like we have to play them cuz yeah. both of these teams could they could take out anyone in theory yeah, it, yeah i don't
0: know. i don't want any part of either
2: one of them to be quite honest exactly. yeah they're nasty. Uh, Harrison, your, uh, your pick, Rangers in four, uh, it reminds me of our dear friend, Mark, who every time we would see him <laughs> at the bar, uh, I'd go, hey, Mark, how's it going? you just go, Rangers in four. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How could you not? Uh, Tony D'Angelo, he's the best defenseman in the league.
2: Oh, good times. All right, moving on. Uh, we will stay in the state of New York, but we're going to go out east to Long Island. So we have the New You're York Islanders. Oh, shut up. uh we have the new york islanders the seventh seed at minus 115 versus the florida panthers the 10th seed at minus 105 i feel like this is another one that a lot of people are saying is a coin toss but uh let's break it down on offense uh both of these teams have outstanding talents in their first line centers you have uh, the islanders with matt barzell and you have florida with alex barkov uh, Barkov usually plays with Vitrano and Dadnov, who was on pace for 30 before the season stopped. And Barzal usually plays with Anders Lee and uh, Ebs, uh, Jordan Eberly. So when you take a look at the Islanders, uh, you know, forward lines, you, you know, go from top to bottom. They're really not that flashy or exciting. And there's not a lot of names that really inspire a lot of goal scoring potential in you. But these guys are gritty. Like these forwards are built for playoff hockey, and more importantly, I think they're built for the trot system. Uh, they don't score a lot of goals, and but when they do, they sort of score them the hard way. Not saying that these guys aren't skilled, but they get it done in the corners, they get it done on the wall, they get it done behind the net, all that stuff where it counts. I think the addition of Jean Gabriel Pajot was huge. That guy's proven that he can light it up in the playoffs whenever the Sens, you know, struggle to get there. Uh, but you know, he don't really have enough time to adjust to, you know, being with the new team and everything. So, you know, I th- I'm sure that they're hoping that he can, uh, you know, get that clicking. Uh, by contrast, the Panthers have a ton of offensive talent on their roster. Uh, they have five 20 plus goal scorers to boot. Uh, as a result, their offense was six best in the NHL this season. Uh You know, Huberto, Hoffman, Holla, all those guys can produce. Brian Boyle, Brett Connolly, those are gritty guys, um, you know, that I'm sure Coach Q is going to love to have uh, that should be able to counter the Islanders' uh, forwards and the corners as well. Uh, Moving on to defense, obviously it's a trot system. There's no really other way to say it other than that. And because of that, the Islanders Islanders had the fourth best defense in the league. Uh, Adam Pellick. He was having a great season until he tore his Achilles, and he's another one of those guys who's really going to benefit from this four-month pause because he is expected to come back. So him and Ryan Polak, uh are joined by a veteran decor um, that just round out a very stable and solid blue line when they're on, and uh, minus the time that the Caps were up uh, or down like five goals on them, I think, and then came back and won. After someone mocked Kuzi's bird sally, uh, that one was fun to watch. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, the Panthers lose a lot of ground on the bla- on the back end. They have a very, very talented defenseman in Eric Ekblad. There's no really underestimating uh, his abilities. But, you know, they've got veterans like Keith Yandel and Anton Straumann. <laughs> Um, But they've really really struggled in their own end. There's no I'm hiding that you watch any Panthers game There's a lot of turnovers coming out of the zone a lot of passes that just get broken up right away You know sometimes before they even get to their own blue line Uh, So you got to go advantage New York on the back end Uh, Moving on to goaltending. I have no idea which way this one is gonna fucking go so when Officer Bobrovsky is on, when he's on the case, I mean, he is phenomenal. We've seen what he can do. They swept, you know, it was with Columbus last year. They swept the lightning. He had a nine three two save percentage for the entire series. He was lights out. However, you know, he has had his worst statistical season this year since 2011-2012. And I believe that was the year in the playoffs where they met the Penguins And the score, I think there was like four games in that series where like that, you know, the teams combined for like 18 or 20 goals or something ridiculous like that. Yep. Uh, So, you know, who knows which Bob we're going to get, but he's going to be their go to guy for sure. Um, Like a few other teams in these qualifying matchups, the Islanders have two options in net. I would expect Varley to get the start. Uh, but if he you know wavers or falters at all i would not expect trots to you know hot route to thomas grace and throw him in there uh, so this one you know i like i said at the beginning you know this is a toss up but at the end of the day i think i have to go islanders and four Ooh. to comment on the goaltending situation i think going into
0: all this i was a little bit on the same page as you nick where i was like i'm not sure how this is going to shake out because we have two goalies that can play really well, but who knows, you know, who's going to show up. Um, And obviously, you know, it's tough to go off of just one exhibition game. But um, what I will say from uh, the Panthers game against the Lightning and the Islanders game against the Rangers, um, I think that Varlamov so far Played the best of any goalie in any of the exhibition games so far. He made some incredible stops. He probably should have had a shutout against the Rangers. They scored with only a couple minutes left in the third period. Um, ended up losing 2-1 to one to the Isles. Um, the whole team, I thought, looked terrific out there against NYR. Um, on the other hand, I think it's not even an argument that Bob played the worst of any goalie so far in the exhibition game. They lost five, nothing to the lightning. He gave up all five goals. Um, he had a rough season. Uh, I definitely think that also, like you said, if for whatever reason, Varley does end up getting a little shaky, they've got Thomas Grice back there. I think the Panthers backup is like Dredger or some, some shit like that. Like Chris Dreger. Yeah. If Bob doesn't show up, Good luck, and so far i don't I don't see it happening. Um, that being said, I also think that um the Islanders power play looked really good against the Rangers um, in that exhibition game. Um, Derek Broussard looks as okay. good as he ever did with the Rangers. Um, he's an absolute trigger man on the power play for them. They were feeding him. He had like three shots on one power play or something like that. Um, they look good. Uh, shocker here, maybe for some, I'm taking the aisles to sweep in three. Wow.
1: Oh shit. Respect. I hope that works out because that'll make us look like we're smart for bringing you on. (laughs) Um, So here's what I got to think. Um, i going to go Florida. i going to go Florida. And here's why. Yes, Bob sucked. And yes, Mac is right. He looks absolutely atrocious against the Lightning. Granted, it is the Lightning. Um, Fair. I just, one, I hate Derek Broussard. Two, I hate Barry Trotz. Three, I have a love-hate with Long Island. And four, I hate the Islanders. So <laughs> am I betting with my heart? Eh, maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> That being said, I do think that the Panthers have the best player in the entire series in Alexander Barkov, And I do think that they have the second best player in the entire series in Jonathan Huberdale. Those two guys are on two separate lines. They can carry a line themselves. I think the Panthers are a lot deeper on paper. Um, Noah Jari, was he a 20-goal guy? I think he
2: hit the 20-goal mark, right?
1: He may have. Uh,
2: I have different guys that scored twenty goals.
1: Yeah, he so he did score twenty. Yeah, I don't know. If he didn't score twenty, he was really fucking close. I'm I'm pretty pretty sure Brett Connolly did. (laughs) Yeah, well, Noah Jory is their fourth line center. I mean, like that's insane. You got a twenty goal scorer on your fourth line. Here's my X factor that not a lot of people are talking about. I love the addition of Brian Boyle. I think he's a playoff guy. I think he's someone who can change the game offensively with grit. He's a big body. He can get in front of the net. He can mix it up. He, I think he got in a fight the other night, didn't he? He the mix. He did. Him yeah.
2: and uh, Sergeyev were throwing them. Yeah.
0: yeah. Those guys fucking hate each other. That is a, that is a way back when
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the Panthers. I think Boyle's going to have a big series. <laughs> it's just hard to say, like, with a ton of confidence, like, yeah, I think they're going to put up a lot of goals because it's against the Islanders and against against that trot system. But all that being said, they're the better team on paper. I think they're deeper. I'm going to pick players over system on this one. I'm going to go Panthers in five.
2: Okay. A uh, couple of closing notes for this. Uh, only the Red Wings scored fewer goals on the Isles this season. Uh, this is a powerhouse coaching matchup uh, among active coaches in the league. These guys are one and two, uh, Quenville first and Trot second. Uh, and let's not forget that these two teams do have a playoff history. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that the Islanders ended their 25 years without winning a playoff series drought against the Florida Panthers. So yeah, that was that
0: electric game seven double OT John Tavares
2: goal too. Yep. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get to watch more of that. Uh, I don't know how many guys were on either of those teams that are playing in this series now, because uh, part of me feels like they've all been shipped out, but I'm sure I'm wrong. Uh, so moving on. So, wait, you had Mac, you said Isles in three. Harrison, you said Cats in five. And I said Isles in four.
1: Yes. And Mac, I do, I do love that sweet pick. And let me, I've just thought about what I said. When I said it would make us look smart for bringing you on, we are very smart for bringing you on. What I meant was, I wanted to clarify that because that came off really bad. Um, yeah, you're good. <laughs> no, I, I was saying like it would be nice because it takes a lot of balls to pick a sweep. So it'd be nice if you know you got that. Oh, little, uh, I, I got a good. That
0: I could absolutely eat my words. Watch the Panthers sweep them, and I'll look like the biggest idiot <laughs> ever. But I'm going with it.
2: It yeah, takes a lot of balls pretty. to predict any series outcome, so why don't you just shut the fuck up and watch the damn game that no one in particular. Um,
1: Five hundred, yep.
2: <laughs> um, so let's move on to uh, Toronto and Columbus. We have the Leafs as the eighth seed at a minus one sixty versus Columbus at a ninth seed at a plus one forty. Ding, ding, ding! Bang for your box. <laughs> Wait a So, all right, let's break this down. Starting with offense, uh, the Blue Jackets have a top trio of Dubois, Texier, and Bjorkstrand. These guys are young, energetic, and they're very talented. But you look right across that red center line at the Leafs' top three, and you see Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Zach Hyman. So that's a no-brainer. Advantage Toronto uh, when it comes to top lines. Uh, How much... More productive are they, you ask? Uh, Matthews, who was taken two spots above Dubois in 2016, alone outscored that Blue Jackets top line. Matthews had 47 goals this year. They all combined for 45. Uh, For the Leafs forwards, it really only gets better from there. Kasperi Kapanen and Alex Kerfoot really round out a large group of forwards that are among the most talented in the league. It's no surprise, Um, you know, the, the firepower that they have up front. Uh, and it's no secret that the Blue Jackets lost a lot of talent in the offseason. Um, they were a bottom third team in goals per game at a 2.53. Uh, and they lost Cam Atkinson, who was coming off his first 40-goal season for 36 games. Uh, the Leafs' second line could really be anyone else's first line, and I think that's sort of the end-all, be-all of this offense breakdown. Uh, John Tavares, Ilya Mikheyev, and Mitch Marner are just lights out. Um, the you know Tavares and Marner alone could you know really center any other line of the league if they wanted to. Um, so you know I I think this is a no-brainer that the offensive advantage goes to Toronto. Um, by contrast, it's going to flip right back the other way uh, when we move on to the back end uh, defensively. The Blue Jackets have. What a lot of people consider to be the best defensive pair in the NHL in Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. Uh, The remainder of their defense core has been solid all season long, despite what a lot of people thought about them going into the season. Uh, And as a result, Columbus has allowed two or fewer goals in nearly half of their games this season. So they've really just found ways to just suck the life out of offensive teams. Um, And then you move on to the Leafs. I mean, despite having guys like Riley Muzzin and Barry, they really struggled this year. And we saw firsthand, you know, Harrison and I, when we were watching these games, just how bad defensively they were. Uh, You know, and so if they intend on making it past qualifying round, I really think solid performance all of those um, to, to really, you know, close the gap on the blue line. Uh, Between the pipes, Freddie Anderson had an average season, but we've all seen what he can do in the playoffs. uh, You know, I really, I don't have any concern if I was a Leafs fan about Freddie Anderson at all. Um, If he gets hot, it could really be the nail in the coffin for the Blue Jackets struggling offense. Uh, Columbus, they counter Anderson. Here comes another team with, you know, two goalies that they can go with. So, uh, you know, Jonas Corposalo and Elvis were phenomenal this year. I think Elvis had, what, that streak of, what was it, like nine wins or something ridiculous like that in the middle of the year. Um, So, But they don't have any playoff experience between them starting at all. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, one, who they go with, and two, how they stack up in the playoffs. This is one that, you know, I really struggled with making a pick with because on paper you would go with... Either one, because you (laughs) look up and down this list and you could go Columbus for defense and you could go, you know, uh, Toronto for offense. I think Toronto at home, which it is at home, let's be real. I know there's no fans, but there's still an advantage to playing in your home rink. I think Toronto at home gets it done. I think they get it done in five. But uh, like I said, this could be a complete coin toss. What do you guys think?
1: The Leafs can't lose this, can they? Like... I mean, the what bubble city's Toronto. They literally set it up. So, if they did. <laughs> it would be very funny, but they literally are in their home building, and it's in their city. And it's like, can Toronto actually – are they capable of actually blowing this? Here's what I will say. Uh, the best bang for your buck in the Eastern Conference qualifiers, if you're really wanting to you know, put some money on underdog, I think Columbus is probably realistically the smartest choice – even though the Habs have a little bit better odds, I think this is a very doable, upset underdog story Um, for all of the reasons that Nick just mentioned, specifically the defense. But, I mean, I I just have a problem thinking that, like, Toronto can actually blow this. And I am a big Freddie Anderson fan. I I think I've been pretty vocal about that throughout the entire course of this show. I've always kind of given him the benefit of the doubt, mostly because... His defense stinks for the last X amount of years he's been there. Um, But he's proven in the playoffs. I mean, granted, he hasn't won a big series, a.k.a. anything against the Bruins. But, you know, he's had good numbers. (laughs) Yeah. He's had good numbers. He's He's had clutch saves. He's pushed the games, the series, to seven games every time they played. So, I'm a Freddie Anderson fan. I think he's a solid goalie. I think he's proven in the playoffs, despite what might some people might think. Elvis, eh, Corpus you know, they're up-and-comers. They're not really proven yet. So, you know, I think the offense with Toronto and the defense with Columbus is a wash. And I'm going to go Freddie. I think Freddie's going to be able to pull it off. However, I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think this is going to go to five games. And I have a feeling that this will be the one series that we get a game five overtime thriller, something where it resembles like a game seven overtime goal. I think that's what we're going to get here. I think it's going to be really close, but I'm going to give it to the Leafs in five. I think i also uh, put a bet on them to win the Stanley Cup back in January. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you guys are spot on for sure. Um, only a couple things to add. Um, I've been talking a lot about these exhibition games, which I know, obviously, like I said, just one game. You can't put a whole lot on it. But um, it is interesting to look at the fact that the Leafs had to face the Canadians, and, you know, you're like, all right, whatever. We're playing an exhibition game against the Habs. We don't really have anything to, like, show here. Um, versus right now the Jackets are playing the Bruins. And, um, by the way, they took a 3 nothing lead against the Bruins in the first period today. <laughs> <laughs> They're currently winning still 3-1. to one. The third period just started, um, but they've held the bees to 16 shots through two periods, so that's pretty good. Um, I think that this Columbus team is very comparable to the Islanders team that we saw after they lost Johnny T. I think that this is a team that nobody has faith in. And they kind of are, you know, they have that attitude, like they have a little bit of something to prove and they have, um, you know, they're like, I I feel like there's a bit of wanting to prove, okay, we don't need Panarin. We don't need Bobrovsky. Like, look at our young guns. We don't care if you've never heard of like half of our guys, like we can win games type attitude. Um, Whereas the Leafs, I mean, like, there's a lot more pressure on them, obviously. Like, they cannot afford to lose this, especially because they're in their own barn here.
1: Um, Mac, I'm sold. Just pick them already. <laughs> I, I don't I'm like my pick.
0: What's funny is before I started talking, like, literally before I started talking, I was also going to pick the Leafs in five. Don't but do I, it. I think I might have just talked myself into going CBJ in five because. Wow, no, Like, I don't think their, their goaltending is as good, but could it steal a five-game series? Maybe. And, ah, man, yeah, fuck it. We'll go CBJ in five. Let's go. I love that energy. The
2: shortened series, like, just completely throws a whole new It makes it
0: so thing. different, yeah.
2: You, you know, goalies can steal series. Like, you know, if the Jackets go with this, like, suffocating defense that they've had all year and they stick with that, that could, you know, basically kill Toronto's offense and steal them the series. My last couple notes for this are: Toronto might have an X factor in 18-year-old Nick Robertson. He scored 55 goals in 46 OHL games this season. And Chris Peters said his this was his like prospect of the year. Um, this guy is expected to get a look at some point. I know that he played a little bit in their exhibition game. Um, But it'll be interesting to see where he slots in and what he can do. Apparently, he's got, like, a ridiculous shot. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, We've already stated that, yes, this is a hub city. But let's be real. This is a home game for the Leafs. Um, You know, obviously, the fans aren't there. But, you know, they're used to their ice, their boards. You know, just everything about that rink, it is theirs. So they're comfortable there. And especially... Because they're the home team in the series, they're going to be in their home dressing room for a decent amount of these games. I think that's got to amount to something. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. My last note is about special teams. The Leafs have a top five power play, which I don't know how you wouldn't have the best power play when you have this fucking roster. Um, (laughs) But the jackets almost have a just as good penalty kill. So I'm really looking forward to this sort Mm. of like duel between special teams. Uh, So, uh, you know, and on the contrast, they're, in versus Toronto's penalty kill sucks ass and the jackets power play sucks ass so. <laughs> <laughs> If one could wake up it could really tip the series because you know like we just said this you know Shortened series it, it's just gonna make for some really really intense hockey that I cannot wait to see If I didn't
1: have a futures bet on the Leafs I think I might have actually Bit the bait that Mac just laid out there for us But I can't do it I'm, I have too much pride um, You're not
2: going to edge yourself yet?
1: No, I'm not. Gonna, hedges are for losers, because um, then you're assuming you've already lost, and that's a loser mentality. I just made that quote up. Um, yeah, I, I, there's something to be said for being in your own locker room. I, you gotta pick the Leafs. I mean, they're the better team on paper. They're literally fucking at home. Like, I don't know how. The only difference is they're sleeping in a hotel bed. So I, I don't, I don't get it. You gotta go Leafs in five. But I do think Mac made some great points, and you are kind of an idiot if you don't bet. This underdog, specifically for the reasons that Mac just said.
0: Two two final notes on my end. Let's not forget who's uh, the bench boss for CBJ here—the one and only Johnny Tortz, um,
1: coach of the year, probably. I
0: think, I think there's definitely something to be said about uh, a bunch of misfits being led by that man. Um, and one thing about the Leafs, I think the way the Leafs win this series is. Um, for some of their younger guys actually coming through, you know, I expect Matthews to play well. I expect Marner to play well. Um, I think we need to see guys like Kasperi Kapanen come through. Um, we need to see some of those younger guys that, that have a bit more to prove actually, you know,
2: come through and, and score some goals for them. Call me crazy. I want to see more out of Tavares. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Absolutely, but I right. feel like I've been like subtly like underwhelmed by his presence with the Leaves for a long time now. Saying so, this is stupid of me, but I like didn't even realize he was the captain of that
0: team until like very recently.
2: I won't say overrated, but mm, overrated. I don't think you can say overrated, but I, I, I think said it under. Okay, uh, underwhelmed is I think the adjective that I would go with.
1: Overrated <laughs> yeah. as a
0: Leaf, underwhelming for sure. Yeah.
2: Uh so I had Leafs in 5 Harry you had Leafs in 5 I I when I was writing these notes I wanted to put in parentheses this will go to overtime and then yeah. when you said it, I was like, Fuck, I should have written that down. I see that happening. I definitely see that happening. But then
0: I see Columbus scoring that OT goal and Toronto <laughs> literally having like the wind taken out of them in their home fucking building and them waving goodbye to everybody that just is playing in their rink and they're like,
2: Okay, see ya. It would be the most Leafs thing ever. It would be. And that's why so it's probably gonna fucking happen. And then
0: they have to watch all these games
2: from their couch of everybody playing in their building. <laughs> that's bad. yeah all right mac you went uh jackets in five right yes sir all right well let's um real quick let's preview uh the remaining teams that we have not mentioned yet between the east and the west uh the top four in each conference are going to be playing in a round robin to determine seeding one through four when the first round of the playoffs inevitably gets underway so for the east that's boston tampa bay washington and philly and for the west that's st louis las vegas colorado and dallas i want to hear your guys thoughts on this round robin who do you think is the team that's in the best position and who do you think is the team that is most vulnerable after this pause mac i'll let you go first starting with the east i i I would not
0: be surprised to see the flyers come out as the top seed on the East. I really would not. I think that they have played really well and I think they've shown, um, that they are the real deal. Um, I think my, my similar pick on the West side for, for who I wouldn't be see, wouldn't be surprised, um, to see come out on top would be, um, either vgk or colorado i think i think either vegas or colorado actually will will be the top seed over there um dallas i i want i want them to be good and i i like know that they are good and were good this year but i i kind of see things falling apart for them for some reason and I don't have a lot to back that up, and I'm sure any Stars fans that are going to listen to this are going to come at my neck for that, but I just have a feeling that they're just going to flake
2: for some reason. I agree with you, and here's why. So I think, you know, I completely agree that I think they're the team that's, like, in the worst position going into this because we we were so high on them at the beginning of the season. I mean, Harrison, Harrison and I said, Dallas Stars puck line, Dallas Stars puck line, Dallas Stars puck line. That's your best bet going into the season and they laid a fucking egg for, like, the first three weeks.
1: <laughs> we all, yeah,
2: <laughs> leave it at that. So I'm, like, I'm wondering, you know, is the same thing going to happen out of this, you know, pause? And, I, you know, if I was any of these teams, I would be concerned about the fact that I'm probably going to be playing a club that's coming out of a competitive Stanley Cup playoff atmosphere series, and I've been playing these round robin games, which I, you know, I'm sure people want the higher seating, but at the end of the day is being healthy, more important.
0: Right. And something else to note that I actually didn't know until maybe a week ago. And and maybe some of you out there don't know this, but, um, obviously for these best of five matchups, um, after regulation, it's, it's continuous OT five on five for the round robin. They're playing three on three, five minute OT and then shootout. Interesting. Yeah,
2: that's well, like it uh, will feel like
0: a non-playoff game. I mean, th- you know, the energy will hopefully be there because there's there's stuff on the line, but it's not a game, like a... and it's not you yeah. know, it's 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 like a regular season game in a lot of ways. Like
2: we could have a one seed determined or lost by a shootout in theory. I believe, yeah. so. I believe that is the case. So
1: for my teams that I think will be best suited after this break and benefit from the round robin. I'm going to go Washington in the East. Um, I don't disagree with the Philly assessment, especially seeing how well they played against the Pens in the third period. It seems like they really found their, found their stride. But I do think Washington, out of all four teams, has been there, done that. They're just as good as anybody else on paper. And after watching their preseason against the Canes, they still look pretty damn good, and Ovi's still just clapping bombs from the left circle, so there are some things that will just never change, and Washington being in first place is going to be one of those, in my opinion, um, and then in the West, it's hard to bet against Colorado after watching McKinnon in that exhibition, that was it, unreal, He he's just so fucking good, he's, it, it's like he, he's moved so fast, but it's so much power, he literally looks like a horse, like just Fucking like galloping and getting faster as he gets more strides. It's nuts. So it's, I'm gonna go Colorado. Like his
2: first three strides are just chopping vegetables, and then boom, he's gone. Yeah, mm. and he, he's just runs it. It's like
1: he's got like Jerome Bettis running power with like <laughs> fucking Ladainian Tomlinson agility. It's so on skates. It's ridiculous. So I'm gonna go Colorado in the West. I do think that Tampa's gonna. I think they're going to slip a little bit. I don't know. Hedman is going to join the team after attending to a personal matter for the Round Robin series, but that also means that there was ice time that he didn't have, right? And that's an exhibition game and real game experience that he didn't have. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I just kind of feel like Tampa might slip. And I feel like St. Louis, the same thing for me. I I don't know. I just have a gut feeling. I have no statistics to back that up. But I wasn't big on St. Louis at the start of the year. Obviously, they – prove that wrong but i don't know just a good instinct here's a stat to
0: back that up they lost for nothing to the blackhawks in the only exhibition game that they
1: just played <laughs> yeah they lost to olimata so i guess that's really wrong you need to know <laughs> they
0: lost their olimata and in case anyone wasn't clear olimata sucks balls
2: <laughs> I, I did hear someone say that that's true i feel like tampa is like a Bear crossed with, it's like a sleeping bear crossed with a dormant volcano. And if you poke it the wrong way, it's just going to wake up and rip your fucking head off.
1: <laughs> Jesus, that was crazy. That was, a that like, was a it's, 10
2: out of 10. It's just going to come out of nowhere. It's like, okay, here comes Palat, Braden Point, you know, Stamkos, Kucherov, and they're just going to tear you to pieces.
0: Yeah. I mean, on paper, they're insane, and nobody knows why they just can't fucking like, i mean look at last year that i mean yeah i've seen it a million times happen to the caps but but here's the thing with tampa bay every year and and it maybe i say this because i can relate to it so much with the caps in the past but like with tampa every year somehow the upset gets worse and somehow you're like okay that's rock bottom that's as low as it gets they're definitely coming back next year pissed off and and not messing around and they're gonna go all the way once and for all but like never happens yeah then they, they end up taking out an ad down in, down in down
2: their paper to apologize down.
1: yeah <laughs> all righty i think that kind of does it for yeah. for us today
2: one last thought that i had and i like, I feel like I've never thought about this before, but I feel like this pause puts us in a unique situation. I didn't realize how much planning that like pro athletes and especially hockey players went into having families. So like a lot of guys will structure, you know, if them and their significant other are going to have a child, you know, they're going to time it. So that way the child is born, not while they're away and playing. So I feel like at the, you know middle point of the season maybe some guys did that and you know i feel like a lot of people are due to have children soon so huh just keep in mind interesting that's I- something i had not considered but- <laughs> something i hadn't thought about but there you go wow. i know caps player in particular um is expecting soon so oh
1: okay nice Hey, here's a here's a thought. Take a shot every time we say final note or last couple of notes. Guarantee you're hammered by the end of this episode after, you know, an hour and 10 minutes.
2: Two more episodes just where we keep saying final note and here's another thought I had and just keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah. Any any other final notes? I do
0: have one actually. I wanted to uh I'll be to, to bring up the Washington goaltending situation because obviously we have Holby, you know, he's he's gonna be the starter, but I think it does handcuff the Caps a little bit that um, Ilya Samsonov is unavailable indefinitely here, um, and he had a great year. Um, he looked great when when he had to come in and start when Holby was struggling a little bit, and so not having him to fall back on in case Holby does run into some issues is a little bit concerning. I. Was surprised to see Vitek Vanacek on the bench instead of Phoenix Copley, um, but he, they gave him they gave him the third period. He looked good. Um, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that situation or if we will see the Washington backup goaler, wh- goalie, whether that's Copley or Vanacek, come in at any point in the qualifiers. Or my or,
2: thought with that is, I was wondering if that was them giving Vanacek a look and saying like can you show me something to where we think you would be a better option than Copley? I thought the same. Who knows? I haven't really paid attention to either of them this year. Uh, you know how they were doing down in Hershey. Right. Uh, I, My personal opinion, when I saw that Sammy was unavailable for the remainder of the season was okay. You know, I think it was kind of understood that Holtz was going to start anyways, but I think things have to get really, really bad now before they sort of yank him and go with the backup. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Do you think they'll end up uh, dressing Copley or Vanacek? I wouldn't be surprised to see them switch between the two. I feel like you might see Copley go for the first couple games. And then, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I feel like maybe Copley just from the experience from a couple years ago, but, um, you know, who knows? Sure enough. I hesitate to ask this. Any other final notes? No, I got nothing. Good.
1: All right. Sounds good. Sorry. Um, as you, in case you can't tell, I'm as dark as a chocolate bar because I'm at the beach. So I'm trying, trying, to get my dr- tr- trying to get my drinky on now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, enjoy the opening round of the playoffs. We'll be back with you guys next week. Thank you for listening. And without further ado,
2: class dismissed.